Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So Dave Ricks, the CEO of Eli Lilly, spoke uh, to the Economic Club of Indiana and, uh, well, he made waves. We've talked about it a bit. Saying that to compete for jobs, technology, life science, engineering jobs, Indiana needs to improve its education system, reduce health care costs, embrace diversity, move to greener energy sources, and do a better job training its workers. I had made the argument at the time of how. How do you want this to happen? What's your plan? That was my question to the CEO of Eli Lilly, Dave Ricks, to which I don't expect to get an answer. I've never met the man. I don't know if I ever will. I would do the interview. I I have as many issues as I have glowing things to say about what Lilly does for Indianapolis. I I do ask the question whether or not Lilly is still uh, truly focused on on the future of Indianapolis. Lilly being different than the the, the Lilly Foundation. I think um, there there's there, there's a question to be asked about the the business community of Indianapolis and the the connections they have to Indianapolis. One of the things that a telecommuting world does is that it takes away the connection to the place. We should want businesses that are based here, want to build here, want to grow here, or will at the very least show that here matters and matters greatly. Uh, To that, I have no problem with Dave Rick saying this is what I see as the issues. Right. Uh, the, the, the conversation from John Thompson, chairman of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Very, very nice guy. Dave Ricks is trying to drive us to action. He's firing a warning shot to which I would say, what action? We have now had some days to digest this and people have engaged comment about it. I thought we should as well. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. How are we doing? Facebook. Tony Katz radio for as much as Facebook is doing anybody any good these days. Twitter. Getter, Instagram, Tony Katz, and on Rumble, Tony Katz. A lot of people have responded to what Dave Ricks has said. One of those people is Bill Osterley, who wrote in the pages of the Indianapolis Business Journal uh, that I commend Mr. Ricks for providing such a candid and objective view of Indiana's competitiveness, which there's nothing wrong with. Feeling that Indiana is not competitive enough. We don't have the right people. We don't have enough people. We're not trained in the right places. How are we supposed to compete against uh, the Triangle there in, in, in the Carolinas? Or how are we supposed to compete against Austin? How are we supposed to compete against things happening in, in Nashville? We have to be able to compete is a legitimate thing to say. Of course, again, I go back to how. But Austerly writes, if I have a critique of a speech, it is with his recommendation for action. His solutions were limited to recommending that the business community turn up the pressure on policymakers to fix the mess by policymakers. I assume he means the legislature and the governor. State government, writes Bill Osterley, formerly of Angie's List. 
simply lacks the technological sophistication, budgetary discipline, and political consensus to do enough. At best, policymakers can help. In some cases, I just hope they don't hurt. As business and not-for-profit communities, we're going to have to innovate ourselves. This is absolutely right and one of the major flaws in Dave Rick's approach. But it is a major flaw in the approach of what we have seen of the corporate community of Indianapolis and possibly Indiana as a whole. That there is tremendous talk about things and there is a gigantic amount of posturing about things, but there is very little in the actual doing. My argument with Ricks has been, with his leadership, so we're clear, is that it hasn't shown first any level of Indiana focus. Now, he has a business to run, stock prices up, but they're putting in uh, millions, if not billions of dollars into spots in North Carolina. Well, that's a, that's a kick in the you-know-whats. <laughs> but if that's where he feels that there is a, a, uh, a worker base that is trained to do the things that Lily does as a, a, as a business pro, I'm not going to sit here and blame him. I'm going to take seriously the conversation as we always have. The question before us is, what are the things and how do they get done? One of the things that's discussed here uh, by uh, uh, Bill Osterley is, is, is a conversation with the president of Cook Medical, Pete Youngman who stated, unfortunately, the challenges we face as a society can't be solved with high-level policies alone. If they could, they would have already been fixed. Real solutions come from open, honest, on-the-ground collaboration between government, not-for-profits, community, industry, and neighbors. If any one of those stakeholders aren't at the table, we limit our chances of success. And so he asks the question, does Austerly? whether Lilly as a public company can act as boldly as a private company like Cook? So he goes on to say, you know, he's the director of a public company and says that environmental, social, and governance, known as ESG practices, are the hottest topic in company, a public company boardrooms. The SEC governance ratings agency and even Larry Fink, CEO of the largest public investment firm in the world, are calling on public companies to do more. But I would state to Bill Osterley that ESG practices, environmental, social, and governance practices, are amongst the most despicable practices in America, ones that are absolutely dictating to business what is and isn't important, regardless of what is or isn't important to the business. It is just the same as a China credit score. Social credit score? Oh, you want a loan? Well, show us how diverse you are. You want to be able to do business with this bank? Well, show us what you've done for sustainability. They have their criteria. If you don't meet their criteria, you don't get the loan. It doesn't matter if you're financially sound. It matters if you are wokely sound. That's what matters. And that's not a process. And that is being pushed by government. That is, ESG is a freaking cabal. And support of it is as nasty and horrific as you can get. The pushback should be extreme on this kind of absolute outright nonsense that won't do anything for the growth of business. Nothing. It pushes forth the idea 
that somehow all companies are bigoted from the word go when that's absolutely not the case. We've already seen things being struck down about, well, your corporate board has to have this person and that person and this color and that color and this sex and that sex. That is all garbage. Garbage. Your board has the people you think will help you grow. Am I supposed to take from your selection of board members that you're a bigot? Not a chance. But there are people out there who want to because that's more important to them than the growth of the business. Putting on airs is more important than what happens. That's part of my problem with Dave Rick's talk about Indiana. If you're not going to engage solutions that are indeed market-based, what are you engaging? Putting on airs. Virtue signaling is another way to say that. I don't argue that Ricks is completely wrong. There might be some things we disagree about. I argue that he did not put enough into the thought. So if you take a look at an editorial from the IBJ, talking about this uh, Dave Ricks conversation, their headline is, being tax-friendly just isn't enough for Indiana to compete. Now, this is an argument that I also make. And you've heard me discuss it. If, if, if you ever watch me on TV, right, I've got this, I've got the little bookcase uh, uh, over, my, over my right shoulder. Uh, and uh, there, I've got my Let's Go Bourbon, right, my Cigar and Bourbon book, or I should say my bourbon book, the cigar book. Uh, that's a couple years away. Uh, and then I've got, a, I've, I've got a cigar book there. But above that, I have, uh, I have a couple of books. So I have Mitch Daniels, Keeping the Republic. I have Conservative Insurgency by Kurt Schlichter. I have Little Man, Meyer Lansky, and the Gangster Life. That's, love that book. Uh, I have Going Red by Ed Morrissey, great guy. And I have Preferential Policies from Thomas Sowell. And I also have a book by Professor Elaine Berteau, B-E-R-T-E-A-U-D, called Order Without Design. I have the book. It was sent to me because I, I, I attended virtually a, uh, a discussion that he had. And he discussed how, how cities organize and, and, and certain levels of organizing principles um, re regarding uh, how people act and interact. And one of the things that he discussed is that people are desperate for random encounters, random activities, things. They like the town square. So one of the ways this happens is green space. You can say we've got too many parks all you want. People want parks. They want a place to walk to, and they want to be able to see some people when they're there. And maybe meet somebody. Maybe say hello and talk to somebody. That's what makes them feel connected. But one of the other things he discussed is that so often, we'll, we'll talk about conservatives, red states. They believe that the answer to everything is less taxes, cut taxes, less taxes, cut taxes. That's not always true. A business can handle the tax burden. What they would like it to be is easier to do business. The less hassle and the less heartache they had in actually doing the business, building the business, the less bother they feel in the paying of taxes. The less regulation, the more joy. That's another way to put it. When we discuss ways to bring in more business, lowering the regulatory burden is a great way to do it. One could then question how the lowering the regulatory burden could actually help us skill up a workforce.
But skilling up a workforce isn't even enough to solve the problem. To solve the problem, you have to solve the problem of how do you get people to stay after college graduation? How do you get people to stay in Indianapolis or in the Donut Counties or in Indiana writ large? This is the fundamental. And to the extent that that is somehow controlled by government, or that is somehow a real case of diversity, I would argue is to not have a complete understanding of the situation. Now, there are differences real differences amongst generations i don't look at diversity and say my gosh that's my key value because i start with an assumption not everybody i meet is a freaking racist and when you start with that well you've got a different point of view that is different than you know i don't see race or i see race I see who's black and I see who's brown and I see who's white and I see who's Asian and I see who's Hispanic and I see who's fat and I see who's thin and I see who's wicked hot and I see who clearly needs a little bit of plastic surgery. I'm alive. I see things. I'm not going to see things. I see things. But there are younger generations that look upon this diversity conversation as something extremely serious. They don't know why it's serious. They don't know what it means. And it is very clear that amongst the CEO set, it is all about how you can project something. It is all about the virtue signaling. Something I would say to John Thompson, something I would say to Bill Osterley, something I would say uh, to to Pete Yonkman of, of Cook Group, something I would say to David Ricks. Too much of the diversity conversation is about virtue signaling and not about anything else. It is not about focus. You want to keep people in Indiana, you have to have two things. A way for people to make money and a way for people to enjoy their money. And you don't have weather. So now you got to work a little bit of overtime. So when the city of Indianapolis doesn't do anything to fill the open spaces that they created by allowing two nights of riots and never once trying to rebuild the city faster, they spent a million dollars on a PR campaign to say, come to Indianapolis, everything's fine. Everything wasn't freaking fine, and it still isn't. They should have spent a million dollars buying windows so they could replace the broken glass. Well, hell, they would have been better off putting that extra million dollars to the pothole problem. To the violence problem. To the kids getting into fights on the circle problem. If Dave Ricks wants to talk about these things, I'm all in favor of it. But if he's not willing to look in his backyard and say, you first. Or you know what? Me first. Let me help get this problem solved. Not by screaming at the General Assembly, hey, don't talk about taking over our police, but demanding of the mayor that the police do better because he demands it, because he wants to do better. Demanding of the prosecutor that we actually prosecute crimes to show that Indianapolis can be a safe place so businesses will come downtown, so people will come downtown. You see that? That's doing. That's what I'd like to see from the corporate leadership. And as I've said before, we're going to have to rely on ourselves. We have to rely on ourselves because so much of the corporate leadership is just doing things for the virtue signaling and not for the bettering. I don't know if Dave Ricks is interested in the bettering. I got to assume that he is. It would be weird for me to assume otherwise.
I just think that he has to now take this, hey, we've got a problem, and let's start dealing with solutions. But if you were to ask me where the solutions are, the solutions are in a safe downtown and an inviting downtown and a place for people to enjoy. That is far more important to them. A diversity of the number of really cool restaurants and shops to go into is, I think, of more value to the potential Hoosier than is the diversity of your board. Now, maybe it's not an either-or, but it's certainly a part of the equation that a guy who runs a company like Lilly can be a part of that solution right here. I invite him to, to do it. I'm Tony Katz.